after the success of our first virtual coaches training and people wanting to know if we're going to be doing another one, I've decided, yes, let's do this. Coming up on July 8th, I'll be hosting another virtual coaches training and Q&A. We'll start off talking about a variety of different training techniques to implement at your practices. The first time you set up a drill, they're just learning how the drill works. If you were to just set up the same exact drills you did last time, you would see how much more productive it is. It's called getting better at getting better. So what you want to do is come in, set up the same drill and go, hey guys, we're going to do the same thing we set up last time and watch, well, one, they'll set the drills up a lot faster, but they have that familiarity with it and they're going to be able to get better at getting better. Not to mention, we'll also talk about the things that you want to talk about. Sonia, go ahead and give us your thoughts on the training. I just thought the opening with the quiz questions alone was a good way to evaluate myself as a coach and look at my perspective. Every question I ask myself, do I actually do this? Can I do this? How will I do this? The discussion in the training just gave me new ideas and ways to implement a practice and I'm hoping that it will show useful throughout the season. So just thanks so much for the timing of the training and really appreciate your help. Guys, sign up now. Like last time, I want to keep the group small so it's super beneficial to everyone on the call. So first come, first serve, link in the show notes. And we're on. This is the Let's Talk Cheer podcast, and I'm your host, Jason Larkin. Where we talk cheer, we talk life, and we talk whatever comes to mind. Five, six, seven, eight. Let's get started. Turn it up and tune in into Let's Talk Cheer with Jason Larkin. We're talking cheer, we're talking like you know we're always talking. So listen up, you boy, I'm about to go all in. Five, six, seven, eight. We're on. Let's begin. Now, taking over, batting second, we have Jimbo all the way from Tennessee. Jimbo, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me. I, uh, I'm super stoked to be here and talk all the things, uh, letters F through J with you. Dude, we're going to make it happen. So tell the people who you are, what different hats you wear in the industry, what you got going on. Uh, so my name is Jimbo uh, Kelleher. I work at the amazing Cheerville, located in Tennessee. But we have locations in Tennessee, Alabama, and Kentucky, and now Ohio. I, uh, for the last, I don't know, better, well over a decade, I worked at a summer camp called Camp Woodward. And uh, this upcoming summer, we have started our own summer camp called Nash Camp, and uh, it's going to be an awesome time right in or right outside Nashville, Tennessee. And it's going to be all tumbling, bunch of cool coaches. And then also, I guess I've judged for the well over a decade now too. Man, I'm just really aging myself here. But yeah, just been doing all sorts of stuff in the industry. Just trying to make a difference, having a good time doing it. There we go. Absolutely love it. We have one of our athletes coming up to, to Nash camps, Avery. So Avery's a great kid, comes from a great family. So you guys all have a blast with her, super hard worker. So she'll, she'll be out there. I'm not sure what week she signed up for, but she'll be out there pretty soon. Yeah, but Jimbo, glad to have you on the show. You're a fellow podcaster. So if you guys haven't checked out the Breakdown podcast, be sure to check that out with old Jimbo and Roman. And uh, hopefully we'll get Roman on one of these episodes too pretty soon. So anyway, let's hop into it. Let's start off with F. So we have F for fools. So, you know, Jimbo, I'm a coach. I got a gang of layouts, but I got to get, get my kids to twist so give me some tips on how to full 
I actually, I learned, uh, you know, your traditional arm drop where, you know, you drop your arm down and it starts to make one side of your body shorter. But I actually started creating a, a little bit of a different variation for that where I have the kids lay on a panel mat, start in a high V with blades, and then they basically create a circle with their arms and they roll off of the panel mat. So they high V start to turn with their hips and then create a circle, which is in theory an arm drop because it falls down to the side, but it's just giving the other arm something to do rather than stay up. And it also creates the hollow shape with your upper chest. My second favorite twisting drill, or at least something to do with twisting is just seated on a tumble track or uh, on a trampoline, doing your swivel hips drills, uh, learning how to get your glutes activated, which I think we're gonna go over next. Activating your glutes, opening up your shape and then closing your shape back, back up. But I also, really, really traditionally, just like teaching kids to jump and twist, like from a standing position and start to look for the floor where they're going to land so that they understand that their head cannot go up, which is what we see a lot of times just by instincts. So those are my top three things that I like to look at first. And then I have them other crazy, wacky, I'm a, I'm a weird brain, but other crazy, wacky uh, things that I use for twisting outside of that, that I've posted on Instagram. And uh, I can even share the videos with you if you'd like to see them at some point. Yeah. So just swivel hips. I want to go back to swivel hips real quick. So just a regular seat drop, half twist swivel hip. And you use that as an introduction for twisting. Uh, yeah, I don't exactly like the swivel hip back to the seated pike on the trampoline. I like the swivel hip to stand, but I like teaching mm -hmm. the glute activation before opening up so that when they leave the ground, there's a punch, glute activation, and then a twist rather than contact twisting while they're connected to the floor. Yeah, that makes sense. There we go. And then the other one, what was the third one you said? Just, oh, just jumping and spinning, right? And then spotting the ground. Yep. Yep. And creating the shape while they're twisting. Obviously, this is going to like make you feel like you're falling over. But at the same time, it, you can start to look where you're going to be going because the ground's going to be right there anyway. So I like yep. just starting to teach that line of sight. Instincts are going to tell you one thing, but you got to trust yourself. I say, put your effort into what you know you have to do rather than what you know you feel. Because nine times out of ten, when you're first learning a skin, something a skill, something that feels weird, it's it's where people open up. Mm -hmm. Yep, for sure. All right, let's move right along to G. You already gave the people a little preview, but glute activation. So we hear this a lot. You know, we're on you know the tumbling pages or ASGA, and it's, oh, we need more glute activation. Or glutes and cheerleaders are super weak, but they they need to be strong for us to be great tumblers. So talk to us. You know what exactly is glute activation, when does it come into play, and then how can we strengthen our glutes? So I guess unpopular to contrary, or the beliefs that we I read about all the time, I don't necessarily think that our in our athletes, their glutes are weak. I just think they're not as strong as they need to be. Because, you know, when I watch some of these kids run or the way that they move, they're, they, they can get around just like a soccer player can. But for the activity of tumbling or even stunting, we're going to need a strong midsection in our body below our abs and above our quads and hamstrings. But I think for me, starting with the exercises that I, I like to do, just putting two panel mats side by side, having them lay with their legs on one side and then having their arms and their shoulders on the other side and they have to take their glutes and just push them to the ceiling. Simple ones for your level ones, uh, learning that shape and the activation because it's sensory. They feel the ground, they don't feel the ground. Then as we start moving forward through the levels, starting to promote a little bit more of a press through the flat hip position. And then I know it's very difficult, but it's a challenging drill to have kids do, but like the dragonfly, where you have to be able to hold the candlestick up on a ladder bar and then slowly let your body go down without ever letting your glutes touch the ground. But that's like super advanced. I also just like having uh, a panel mat above the head or like holding on their chest and just doing normal squats, but watching their knee 
and the flexion of their knee to make sure that their glutes are pressing forward and they're not just using their hamstrings to stand up in quads. But I would say for me, I teach the layout and the tuck very similarly. Even when I start with the tuck, I don't teach like the whole pull. I don't like to use the word pull. I catch myself doing it sometimes as I've been changing as a coach over the years and listening to so many different people. But one thing that a gymnastics coach out at Woodward taught me a long time ago is the concept of the way we use the, sh- the term hollow in uh, cheerleading. We have a kid lay on the ground and we say, show me our hollow hold. And everything that we're doing is like your anterior activating and nothing on your posterior. And so I like to teach hollow as a shape from the lower half of the ribs, like right around the sternum up as if it it were a straw. Here, I have a pen right in front of me. If I take everything out of this pen, the inside of it is hollow. This is not bent the way that that would look on the ground if we created a hollow shape. It is just a hollow, I guess you'd say a sphere. It's just a, a hollow pen, but it's still straight. Hollow is the shape inside. So what I like to teach kids is our bottom sticks out of the back of our body and I want and our hips are concaved which is where the term flat hips comes from when we try to push our glutes forward so for me I want to make the entire body as straight and as long as I can from the sternum or the lower rib down and then above that I want to create hollow by rounding my back out and getting my shoulders closer together usually by way of my elbows getting closer together so I like to think straight from the bottom of the ribs down and hollow with the shoulders so that it's if I were to lay on the ground like that I could roll over I use the reference all the time if I had a Duncan love Duncan, by the way. If I had a Duncan straw and I laid it on a desk and I rolled it, it's straight, but round. It'll roll forever. That's where our fulls, our doubles, our triples, quads, all that stuff comes from. But if I bend it just a little, it's only going to roll over halfway on the desk before it gets stuck. I want to create that same concept on the ground so that kids understand the shape that they need to be in in order to roll over without hitting like their elbows out to the side or flat back, ribs out or shoulder blades out, but I'm weird. I just like to use shapes and I guess you'd say analogies a lot, but glutes, back to glutes, glutes just pressing forward. Yeah, that was great. That's probably the best glute explanation I've ever heard in my life. Shout out to Jimbo. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so I'm gonna kind of skip ahead a little bit, but we had Corey on earlier, which for everyone listening, Corey's gonna come on later in the show, but I've already had Corey come on. And Corey talked about he was stressing handstands. He was really, really, really stressing handstands and the importance of them. We didn't have time, but his word wasn't handstands, but he was just stressing it in round offs and speed and all these different things. So now is your chance to kind of back Corey up and talk about handstands. So we're on H for handstands. So tell me how we can, you know, well, the importance of handstands and then how we as coaches can perfect our handstands with our athletes. Love Corey. Corey and I coached at Woodward back in the day. We've been friends for a long time. Corey is an amazing coach and I'm so glad that he talked about handstands because I learned a lot from him, our friend Casey and our friend Roman when it comes to handstands. One thing I've been doing lately, instead of kicking a handstand towards a wall, I've been doing the backwards handstands where they climb up, you know, climb their feet up and press through the wall because going back to the G glute activation, I think that's one thing that doesn't necessarily happen when we're practicing handstands, but it's very important. But handstands, in my opinion, and in most stumbling coaches' opinions, is the root of everything outside of just being comfortable upside down. It's first straight line that you can create. You can do the same thing standing up. So it's not handstands, it's just standing up, which I like to do a lot of activation for that. But I like to reference how hard it is when your brain's upside down. So when you're in a handstand, a lot of times people are like, oh, I can walk in handstands if my chin's up because I can balance a little bit more. But usually that means that you're sacrificing another part of the straight line to balance because your head weighs something. So it's sticking out. So I've been doing a lot of stuff up against the wall. And even with a wedge, 
and a wall and having them go in between. And the only thing that they can do is rock back and forth, but only their heels and their shoelaces can go and touch the opposite sides. But yeah, I learned a lot from Corey and Roman when it comes to handstands. But overall, I like to look for almost every single muscle except for the neck to be activated when they're in a handstand. There you go. So when you do handstands completely flat, so when they go they're in the handstand against the wall, you want the belly against the wall, the thighs against the wall, shoelaces against the wall, nose against the wall, basically, and then everything else just activated? For an advanced handstand, yeah. Uh, like if I'm going to be working with like a level three moving on to four or above, I like to do that. But those are the ones that I like to do before so that they have to hold the shape and just kind of bounce back and forth. Outside of that, I'll break it down all the way back mm -hmm. to level one where it's like, okay, I want you to put your toes up against the wall. Now I want you to put your hips up against the wall and that's the only thing that touches. Next, I want you to put your nose close to the wall and see what they do with the rest of their body so that they can understand the difference of when I'm opening my shoulders, what am I doing with the rest of my body because I'm going to have to learn to combat that later or utilize it later. Like if I'm snapping down in a long back handspring to make it longer so I can go upwards, transfer my momentum. Like I just want them to understand what happens when they think about one body part versus the other. Mm -hmm. And then real quick, throwing you on the spot, give me some drills for beginner handstands. I just walked in. It's my first day, my first month, or it's an athlete's first day or first month in the gym. And we haven't really touched handstands before. So what are some things some practical ways I can get this athlete to, you know, start working on handstands. Shout out Casey Blue. He and Rich Ludkey, they taught me this. Lower the distance from where their head, or I guess minimize the distance from where their head is away from the floor. I think getting kids to understand or athletes to understand that they can lock their arms out and it's strong to hold themselves up is an easier part of the handstand, but I think creating the line is a harder part. So I almost like to have kids, if you were to lay down in a plank right now with your elbows on the ground, like an elbow plank, interlock your fingers, put your head on the ground, almost like a tripod in a way, and then walk your feet up so that your bottom is in the air and start practicing L kicks and then L stands, but with your head on the ground so that the instinct to fall isn't there because your head's connected to the ground. You would just fall to your sides. Mm -hmm. And learning those muscle activations without your head being far from the ground, if that makes sense. Stacking your spine without this movement right here being at all even a part of it yet. No, it makes perfect sense. Absolutely love it. All right, here we go. Now this happens a lot. I remember when I was coaching at CBU, we had every year during spring break, right? End of the season, we're getting ready for Daytona. I want to say every year. It happened two years in a row though. We had kids and they're throwing fulls, blown out knee. It happened two years in a row right before Daytona, right? End of the season. And I was like, man, we've got to work on some injury prevention. So you don't need to talk about knees. You can talk about whatever you want, but I injury prevention. What are some, give us some good tips on preventing injuries in tumbling. For me, the biggest things I focus on on a daily basis, a weekly basis and a monthly basis for injury prevention are very different. I think obviously that your traditional, I'm going to warm the body up before I even stretch it out. And when I stretch it out, it's not a sit and static stretch. I don't want to make my muscles super long and like uh, sit there and, you know, touch my toes for 25 seconds because I'm making the muscle long. But then when I tumble, I'm going to ask it to be fast and short and explosive. So warming the body up uh, effectively, but little tips and tricks when you're warming up, I think make a big difference. Where do we see the most injuries? Joints. We don't see too many. I mean, obviously the percentage is much lower when it comes to actual broken limbs, but like joints are where we see a lot of injuries, elbows, shoulders, knees, ankles. So anything to strengthen the joints, but without overloading them, 
I think is one of the most important things to do on a daily and a weekly basis. I think the main way that I do it, but this is just obviously my opinion. I know that other coaches find success elsewhere and I learn from a lot of them when they post stuff, but I've been watching a lot of the knees over toes guy on Instagram, by the way. I like that. Uh, I know it's very different from tumbling, but he's a good guy to follow. But I like loading one limb up at a time. So if I'm going to work on an ankle, I don't work on both ankles. I work on one ankle. I like to do in our warm up walking lunge and twist. So they basically drop into a lunge and twist both ways. And if we're at level four or above, you're on your tippy toes so that you're activating every muscle around the ankle joint. And you'll feel your ankle shake when you do it, which is really weird, but it's a wake up sign. Hey, I need these things to be stronger. And then also another thing that I like to do opposite side wrists is uh, if you put a kid more advanced with a handstand up against a wall and then have them put take their other hand off of the ground and put it on a panel mat so they can use the wall to balance and start moving around on their wrist, that's a lot of weight. But if you can do it from, I guess you would say, like if you had two wedges stacked up and they were piked over it, so like if this is the top of the wedge, they're piked over it and their hands down here, they can take one hand off and put weight on their hands and start moving their fingertips around. Just because we don't ever do that. The only thing we do when we're actually tumbling with cartwheels, roundoffs, handsprings is flexion, pushing away, catching the floor, pushing away. Same thing with your ankles. So anything to take a little bit of load of the body off and start working on mobility the same way that if you grab onto a dumbbell and you're working on your bicep, just starting to work the muscles around the joint so that it's stronger, if that makes sense. I would say long-term, obviously, finding like, you know, like a, a trainer asking a, someone that works in sports medicine specific to you and the way that your body works, because, you know, we have different body types, but finding a workout plan for your joints, mainly your knees, your hips and your shoulders, because I think the wrists and ankles are something you have to keep up with on a weekly or day, even daily basis. Real quick follow-up question. You were talking about the lunge and twist yeah. and for your level four and aboves, they are on their tippy toes. So when are they in the, are they in a, on their tippy toes in the lunge and the twist, or is that something different? Yep. So normal lunge, you're just walking down the floor, lunge down, and then they twist their bodies both ways to kind of like open up their hips a little bit. But when I get to the level fours and above, I have them on the balls of their feet. So when they go down, they're on the balls of their feet. And when they drop, they keep their heels up and you'll, as a coach, you'll see their ankles shake and you'll know, okay, I got to build that up a little bit. Gotcha. Okay. Good stuff, man. Love it. Here we go. Let's get to this last one. Jay, jumping versus punching what's the difference between those two things when are they used and how do we how do we train those j for jason j for jimbo um jumping versus punching one of my favorite topics tumbling on different surfaces like tumble track trampoline rod floor spring floor those are like your main punching punching i can put a lot of power down because the surface is going to give me power back the rate at which it gives it back is different based on one of those or either one of those surfaces but punching to me and helping people understand this and i could be entirely wrong someone let me know if there's a different way to think about it. But jumping is when I'm connected to a surface or I'm connected and I'm preloading every muscle and I'm about to leave that surface. Jumping. At least that's the way I understand it. Punching is I am not connected to a surface, but I'm preloading muscles to put power into the floor to then leave. So I want to spend the most or the least amount of time on the floor. I think the easiest way for kids to understand this is the concept of a punch front. They run, they jump into a punch, and then they take off. They're trying to put as much power into the floor for a small amount of time. But we start working on this when they're working on line drills at the beginning of every every single class, regardless of the level. But I also, there's another one in there, popping, which for me, punching is if I'm going to use my whole body, I'm going to punch. I'm using my hips, my abs, my shoulder, my elbow, everything. Popping is like one joint. So like if you have straight legs and you're just popping down the floor with your ankle joint, but for jumping, I'm using all the same muscles as punching, but it's loading connected to the surface to then release. And punching is 
I'm preloading that power so that when I hit the surface, I can get off of it as fast as I possibly can. Think about it like this. If I was going to punch somebody, I'm not going to put my hand on them, then load up and push. That's like a pushing. Like I'm trying to push force from a stop. And as far as like punching, I'm trying to put as much power into that force before I get to it. And thinking about it like that has helped me understand it a little bit more. And hopefully, obviously the kids that I've worked with, but punching is for building power on surfaces that'll give power back in my opinion. So give me a couple of um, different examples of a jumping skill and a punching skill. Jumping into a standing back handspring from a seated position, jumping into a standing tuck, jumping into a standing full, a lot of standing. Punching would be transferring power from one skill to the next. Even a punch front, there's a run, a hurdle into a punch before a punch front or into a punch for a fly spring or a bounder. But yeah, taking power that's already created and adding to it is punching, taking power that's not created and building uh, building that power when you're connected to the surface. That is how at least I understand jumping. All right. And so give me different ways. Now we understand the different, how they are differentiated. Give me different ways to train those two different things. Another good friend of ours, uh, Sean Guzman and our, our good buddy Victor and I have come up with a handful of different drills for different athletes for this. And a lot of it is starting on tumble tracks and learning the vision of where I'm at before I get to it. So I know when to put power in to it so like or power into that surface so jumping off of a mat punching off the tumble track landing back up on another mat then box jumps is another one we do box jumps every single day in our gym and i challenge the kids as much as i possibly can to go as high as they possibly can but i also challenge them with single limbs like we talked about earlier like single leg box jumps up to two feet then single leg box jumps up to one foot and single leg box jump up to the other foot. So you're learning how to catch the load with one leg, two legs, and build all the power and catch that load with two legs. They absolutely love that. Absolutely love that. Jimbo, you're the man. You killed it. You you crushed this segment. Let's go. All right, man. (laughs) So Jimbo, tell me, the people... Everyone's impressed. They want to know how they can get in contact with you, how they can follow your journey. Tell people how they can reach you or follow you online or anything else you got going on. On Instagram, I'm just Jimbo Kelleher. I don't really go on Facebook much. My mom makes me post on there sometimes. And then if you want to shoot me an email, it's uh, just Jimbo at NashCamps.com. You could also follow the Nash Camp Instagram. We started a podcast, like Jason said earlier. It's called The Breakdown. We don't know anything that we're doing, but we're just talking randomly like a bunch of guys hanging out, breaking stuff down, topics, industry topics, things outside of cheerleading. And then the Instagram for that is a breakdown 23. So T-H-E-B-R-K-D-W-N-1-E-23 or 23. So yeah, that's about it. I'm I'm not a big social guy. That's more Roman. I ask him about trends and everything else. But yeah, I like posting cheerleading on my Instagram. So if you're a cheer fan, obviously on the Let's Talk Cheer podcast, go check it out. <laughs> there we go. Love it, man. All right, man. Jimbo, you are welcome back. Any time and one of these days you're gonna have me on your pod let's make it happen man absolutely and i just want to throw this out there real quick what you do for this industry with this podcast is absolutely amazing like you are connecting every type of person and giving them information and i appreciate that and i also appreciate you for being like my insight guy for learning a podcast because i don't nothing <laughs> for sure man for hey first i appreciate you man and of course you know someone someone tried to show me the ropes one time i'm just trying to pay it forward so it's the least i can do
But yeah, man, I appreciate you coming on. Shameless plug, Nash Camps. Uh, we are sold out for this year, but next year we're going to start booking here once new camps start. So make sure you get on them quick. They filled up pretty quick this year. We were not anticipating that at all. But support us. We want to train your kids and give them a cool experience. Yeah, for sure. Dude, congratulations. That's awesome, man. First year out, you guys are hitting the ground running. That's awesome. I would definitely recommend our kids go and tr- train with you guys. I know that you guys are good guys, doing the right things for the right reasons, pointing the industry in the right direction. So yeah. Nash Camps shout out and uh, so yeah anyway we'll get to a break and when we come back we have Levi with K through P let's go thanks for watching the let's talk to your podcast definitely subscribe so you never miss out on anything from the show